Hello and welcome to The Joyful Drinker, a podcast for anyone that drinks that wants to drink a little less. I'm your host, Ellie Webb, and I believe that if we all drank a little less each week, we'd all feel a whole lot better. Through honest conversations and real life stories, I'm on a mission to uncover the benefits of taking a few more alcohol-free days each week. By sharing my guests' own perspectives on balance and moderation, I hope we can all take away some inspiration and learn from the powerful habits they've picked up along the way. If you're curious about the benefits that balanced drinking can bring to your week, then pour yourself a glass of something tasty and let's meet today's guest. On today's podcast, I'm joined by the gorgeous Alyssa, founder of the Life Lab Retreat and female health supplement brand, Elsara. Welcome, Alyssa. So good to have you on the podcast. Huge, huge welcome. As a fellow business owner, I'd love to know more about your latest health supplement venture, Elsara. What is the business and when did you start it? Okay, so um, it's like you said, it's a female health supplement. We only have one product. It came because of lockdown really so I used to have a health retreat that started because I was kind of like exhausted with the current situation that women would find themselves in and then the the promote a lot of the way that a lot of retreats and boot camps were promoted were like come to us you'll lose 10 pounds in the week etc now I used to be a journalist and I used to go to these retreats and uh, boot camps and I'd go there and see what they were all about. And it would be a man in army fatigues telling you to do like a thousand burpees. They'd starve you. They'd put you on 800 calories and like train you for like eight hours a day. Now, if you do that with anybody, you're going to lose weight on the scale. But when you leave, you're going to put all that weight back on plus yeah, more. Plus, sustainable. it's not taught you anything. The only thing it's taught you is you've got to work out for eight hours a day. Well, no one can do that. You know, people have got jobs and lives and it's absolutely mental. Yeah. And the one thing, the elephant in the room was, no one was talking about hormonal health. And that is a big issue, especially in menopausal women, when you get a bit older. So I decided to create a retreat called the Life Lab Retreat, which focused on education, diet and hormones. Mm. So while we, you know, I'd have these ladies there, we'd discuss lots of things and supplements and things to help them and hacks, etc. Especially when they got to like, in the mid-30s, maybe they've got fertility problems. Maybe they've got PMS, PMDD, PCOS. Then they've got menopausal problems, etc. So we teach them about that. And I was kind of recommending the same products all the time. Yeah. Like botanicals or herbals or, you know, different kind of supplements to help them. So lockdown hit. I couldn't run any retreats. Couldn't really do anything. Literally just sat there having to refund all my customers for like two years worth of retreats. And I thought, what am I going to do? And the only thing I could see that was booming was e-commerce. And I used to watch like Boohoo stock going up every day. I just couldn't believe it. I was thinking, this is a real lesson to me in business and in life. Never put all your eggs in one basket in terms of your income revenue. So I thought, I'm going to get into this e-commerce game. What do I want to do? And so the kind of the products that I'd always been recommending at the retreat were always the same kind of things, but it was, you had to buy them individually. So it was expensive for the customer and it was inconvenient because you'd have to take like five different products in the morning. I got a team together to ascertain dosages. We looked at the latest studies, looked at the best ingredients, suppliers, got the best manufacturer in the UK, 
and then we created this formula, tested it out, refined it, and then that was it. And that's how Elsa Rao was born. Away, and so that's quite recent. So this is yeah. So that was in lo- lockdown one. I started it <laughs> and launched it in like lockdown three. So, you know, moved rapidly, really, yeah. in terms of like getting it to market. So I launched it. I think I started the project in June, yeah. and I'd launched it by December. Well done. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> because it takes a lot, it takes a lot to start a new business and and accept when something hasn't worked. Yeah. And and also a lot of those factors were completely out of your control. So you've adapted. All sounds amazing. Has it been plain sailing? Probably not with <laughs> No, absolutely not with any business. You know, I had delays. My supplier mm. said, Yeah, it'll be here in November. I didn't turn up. I had issues with the packaging. I've had two lots of legal action. One I'm still going through right now, and that's over the name. It never occurred to me once that this might be an issue. I don't think it's ever occurred to any of my customers either. The name is Elsa and I'm going for the trademark in the health supplement category. Yeah. Obviously, you've got Elle magazine. They've got publications, but they're just called Elle. They are really doing, honestly, it's been about nine months now. We're going backwards and forwards on this trademark dispute. And it's um, it's driving me crazy, to be honest. We're not compromising. I think I'm just going to go to a tribunal at this stage because I just truly don't even see how any customer's getting them confused. Yeah. So, so that's you a see these constant things. battle. And what people don't sometimes realise with... You know, we're, we both run our own business. They're quite young businesses. Mine's kind of around three years old. You started yours in lockdown. There's all these things going on behind the scenes. I know. Challenges and stresses. And you've got to run your business and try and grow it. Yeah, exactly. Every month, every year, get new customers, keep going. There's a lot of pressure along the way. What are some of the biggest challenges you've faced so far? Definitely my supply chain. Because it takes so long to make the product, it takes nearly like six months to make the product. So I have to always order big, big numbers because I can never be out of stock because I'm a subscription business. Yeah. I can never be out of stock. So I make big orders, which requires a lot of cash flow. So you've got to have a lot of cash in the bank as well. You know, legal letters cost a fortune. Yeah, it cost me a thousand pounds every time I send a letter just to say, go away, leave me alone, basically. So you've got to have a lot of cash reserves. Then you see trends in the market. You know, we're seeing energy bills rising at the moment. You're seeing petrol prices going up. And the first thing to go is people's luxury disposable items. And you've got to ride that wave. You've got to constantly try and keep hold of your customer base and also be attracting new customers in the face of adversity and rising costs. And those rising costs happened to me as well. So that means, you know, the deliveries go up, um, the cost of the ingredients go up, the cost of everything goes up. And it's hard not to pass that on to the customer as well. And if you do, you've got a tendency they might leave you. So you don't really want to do that. So it's, it's that fine balancing act, really. And then the other issue I have all the time because of the nature of the product is Facebook. I can't actually advertise this product anywhere. Why is that? Because it's to do with menopause. A lot of the issues to do with menopause, you can't actually talk about on Facebook. So Really? There's like 48 symptoms of the menopause, which range from like brain fog to lethargy, fatigue. But a lot of them are to do with your hormonal health. So vaginal dryness, Mm. lack of libido, sex drive, things like that. So which are you know, well documented. These are like clinical reasons and clinical things that happen in the menopause. But I'm not allowed to mention them because of that reason. 
So if you mention anything to do with like loss of libido or anything like that, it, I just get banned straight away. Now, even if I don't mention it in the ad, but it's mentioned on the website, I still get banned. And yet I see stuff for Viagra, erectile dysfunction. If it's a man's product, it seems to go through perfectly. And if it's a female product to do with PMS, PCO, anything to do with female hormonal health, it gets banned completely. In fact, I've, we've just written, me and a few other companies have just written to Nick Clegg <laughs> to try and lobby him to change this agenda. Good for you. Yeah. yeah. If, you think, if you think something's not right and you've got a champion to try and change it. Well, absolutely. Instagram and Facebook are two of the biggest educational platforms and women can't get this information because you're not allowed to mention it. Mm. So, and I think it's they're just it's a real disservice, but yet I see things all the time for the pill getting promoted. I see, like I said, Viagra's get promoted. Um, erectile dysfunction, pro- like issues, all the time gets promoted, but anything to do with female hormonal health. And there's a big split there between... The genders, do you know what I mean? In terms of what you're allowed to market and what you're not. So that's a big issue. Yeah, I mean, it was not too long ago. um, It was International Women's Day, which is obviously a brilliant day to champion for this kind of change. But it is just one day. But we have to remember that actually we've got to try and maintain all of those things that we talk about on that day itself, actually bring them through to action. And it feels like, this is this is an imbalance right now. Yeah, that you're struggling to promote your product while others seemingly quite similar products yeah. are not having exactly not having that problem. I always feel like because of my gender, I've never really been held back. I always that caveat to that is I've never really had a boss. I've always been my own boss, so I've never really felt that like issue. Like you know, is that person getting promoted ahead of me because he's a man? Blah blah blah. Mm. So I've never really felt that in my life. The only time I'm actually feeling it is right now when I'm trying to promote this product. You know, and you've you've got to go around convoluted ways just to try and do it. But the fact that I've managed to build the business to the way I have without using that, and I truly believe that if you can build a brand without using Facebook. And without using Facebook marketing, then you've got an unbelievable brand. It used to be quite easy to do Facebook marketing and get a really good return on your investment. And these days it's getting more and more and more expensive. Um, And people have fired ads and a bit sick of it now. So I truly believe in traditional marketing. Now my background's in journalism, so luckily I'm I'm really into that. I do a lot of PR pieces. I do a lot of national newspaper pieces. And that really works for me. So that would be, you know, a lot of advice to brands, you know. And and you are, you are the brand as well. You know, you're quite active on yeah. social media and, and talking about your product. It's a subscription. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you've kind of got to use every free tool you can do. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm a bootstrap business. Cash yeah. is, you know, always in short supply. So you, you've, you've got to do what you can do. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I talk about it all the time. But I try and do it educationally. And you know what? For every 10 people I might recommend, there'll be another 10 where I'll say, this is not going to work for you. Yeah. I'd rather... You're never going to get a bad reputation by not forcing someone into a sale. And I truly believe that I would never force that sale on anybody. You know, even when people say, oh, would you recommend it for me? I'll say, why don't you go on Trustpilot and read what people say about us? Because I'm not going to give you the hard sell. Yeah. And I think that's the best way to be. Yeah. No, I like that. I take the same approach. I'm the most unsales <laughs> yeah. women, probably too much um you talk about you mentioned kind of actually talking to your customers online and and you know them asking questions and the fact that you can't talk about things you want to through ads and, and use that as a, as a way to promote your business 
what topics do you talk about on social media from you and is there anything you don't talk about or is is it all uh, things off limits not really no there's not much we don't talk about to be honest people of a certain age are a bit more prudish than the younger the younger girls that I get to chat to yeah but um like I'm doing a live in a couple of weeks with a lady who has invented uh, this like pelvic floor exerciser mm. so we're gonna go into that and but while it's it's amazing for ladies who are a bit older, it's amazing for ladies in pregnancy, you know, to get that birth canal going and get it yeah. right and exercise those muscles. You've got muscles down there just like any other part of your body and they need to be worked and trained. That, I would imagine, if I started promoting that, I'll get banned on Facebook for that or get banned on Instagram. So I'm going to start an OnlyFans page for the business where we can talk about this content, you know, people can subscribe to that channel and you can yeah. talk about that kind of content more freely than I could if I was doing an Instagram live. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I'm going to use a few other platforms for other stuff. And then, um, like I did a lovely chat with the owner of Killing Kittens mm. as well, talking about like sexual empowerment and things like that and female health and how it's all together. And again, we had to use like different channels to do that on because you can't do it on Instagram. So, um, but there's not really much that off limits, really. You know, I mean, I've done like... (laughs) You talk about it all. Yeah, we do. We talk about vibrators and sex toys and what lubes to use and things like that. So, you know, it's all part and parcel of female health and wellness. Yeah, I think... In the UK, we are, you talk about older, but in the UK generally, we're a little bit prudish yeah. about these kinds of things. But it is becoming more normal to talk openly about it. And it sounds like you get quite a good response from people when you do. Well, exactly. And it, especially if you do it in the right kind of way as well. And, you know, it, it, we've got like 98% women who follow us and um, it's nothing sleazy. And it's also nothing to be ashamed about. Mm. You know what I mean? It's really not. And I wish women were a bit more open about it. Yeah. So I think it takes a few more courageous women to talk about it and then people will open up a bit more. Well, it's almost questions that you don't want to ask and so you don't ask them and so then you don't find out the information. Yeah, Whereas exactly. actually if someone's out there asking questions or telling people, then um, that can help everyone. There's a book I read and uh, it's called We Are All Liars and one of the main things in it was... You never know who somebody is. Somebody like in front of you will tell you the version of themselves. But actually, mm. if you want to know truly what some who somebody is, look at their Google history. That <laughs> what they Google is what they actually really think about. And that can really make that made a lot of marketing decisions for me actually. Really? What people were Googling really led a lot of the marketing messages that I actually ended up going with because yeah. that was truly what they were thinking about and worried about. And it was like, reflect that back to them with the information that they wanted. I feel like Google knows everything. Exactly. You share your darkest, <laughs> yeah. darkest secrets with Google. Um, turning our attention to drinking for a second. This is a, the Joyful Drinker <laughs> podcast. And we talk about goals, motivation, tackling every week. But we also talk about drinking and people's habits with drinking. Now, I heard you gave up drinking a few years ago. What what drove you to that decision? So I did a program called The Island with Bear Grylls. Yes. And um, when I came back from that, I felt like reborn. I was like pure. 
Do you know really? what I mean? I was like this like jungle girl. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I can do anything. I can do anything with a machete. <laughs> um, so yeah, I felt like I'd really reset. And um, it wasn't serving me in any which way, getting pissed all the time. It really wasn't. Were you a bit of a party girl? Yeah, I, a like seriously. You know, I was a complete binge drinker. Mm. Um, you know, it's, you, it's, I wouldn't remember what had happened. I wouldn't remember getting in. You know, and I'd ruin everyone's night. And I was a lightweight as well. It's mm. not like I could really keep up with the drinking. And, um, you know, you put yourself in really dangerous situations. People would take advantage of you. I'd lose everything, lose my house keys, my car keys, my mobile, my handbag, you know. It was, what's the point? Mm. And I was always stressing about putting on weight. And then you'd drink loads of empty calories. Then... I'd eat all the next day. And it's a I'd vicious just, cycle, isn't it? It's a vicious cycle. You drink, then it makes you the next day want to... I sometimes didn't want to remember what I'd done. I'd think, oh, God, I had to let such an idiot last night. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, it is difficult. God, it is so difficult. I find it difficult even today. Mm. Not to say no to a drink, to be around people who are drinking. And it's sometimes unavoidable. So I was, Yeah, I was going to ask you that. What were What were people's reactions when you did give up? drinking what do you say to them now if in the beginning it was difficult I'd like go out for dinner and be like are you uh, are we drinking and then I went out with two guys that I knew and they don't drink mm. and these two are like great businessmen yeah the pair of them and I thought bloody hell these are the people I need to be hanging around with do you know what I mean they don't drink either yeah. and they know you know what I mean they're, then they're doing great for themselves one of them is now my boyfriend by the way um <laughs> <laughs> but it was like literally at that turning point where I'd stopped and I thought, brilliant, he doesn't drink either. This is this is amazing. And I loved it. He's actually gone back to drinking now. But, <laughs> but he gave up for like five years. Really? Yeah, like didn't have one more drink, just decided one day he wasn't going to drink. And he was, said, that just, was that similar to, to you? Just, well, I guess he didn't He didn't go on the island. You no, there, no, but. he was just had enough of it, really. Yeah. And he said everything in my life got better. Every single thing got better. Really? And he's right. And everything in my life got better when I stopped drinking. Mm. And I just realised I couldn't tolerate a lot of the people that I was around at that time. And that they were just in this vicious cycle of going nowhere, working mm. Monday to Friday, going out, not actually ever treat, achieving anything. Yeah. And I thought, oh, God, does I really want to... Does, do I want this to be me? I've done it. I've done it for like 20 years now. What's the point? Yeah. So it was quite an easy decision for me to give up. It's not to say that it was easy to do it. No. It was an easy decision. I liked, yeah, I can go out and not drink. and go out for dinner. I can go out till one in the morning and still not drink. But it's really difficult to be around people. I was on Hendu last Saturday. And that everyone's like, why are you not drinking? Why don't you drink? Why, why, why? It's the questions. It's a it's constant like barrage constant of questions. Justification. It's the yes. only drug in the world where I have to justify why I don't do it. Yeah. And nobody has to justify why they do do it. Really difficult, you know, so. I am working on it. I mean, obviously yeah. I've got a drinks uh, brand called Caleno Non-Alcoholic Spirits. And I have seen it shift quite significantly in the last five years. But... There is still a huge stigma around yeah. not drinking. Even if you're just taking a night off, people yeah. question you. Yeah. And I think gradually that will that will fade and it will become norm more normal, a bit like the the kind of vegan yeah. trend. Uh you know, people going vegan, it's become more acceptable acceptable to not eat meat. Absolutely. And yeah. be okay with that. Yeah. And I think the same will happen 
with drinking, but it's a cultural shift and it takes time. It really is. It really is. And in the UK, we just drink to excess. Like I was in Marrakesh recently and you can just tell which table is from the UK because <laughs> the Europeans just don't drink to get no. pissed. They really don't. You can see them. They're having a nice time and they drink for pleasure and they'll have a few glasses of wine and the, you know, but the, the tables that were from the UK were just rowdy over the top, bottle after bottle after bottle after bottle. And we've just got a really unhealthy drinking culture, I think, in the UK. Yeah. And then I've got some friends who drinking really affects them. They'll have such bad anxiety. You know, they'll smash their face open and break a tooth and this, that and the other, but yet they won't stop. And I'm like, well, she not know the common, and they know the common denominator is all this white wine that they drink mm. and that they know it will make them sad and upset and all the rest of it, but they can't be in a social situation and not have it. It's getting yourself out of that mm. that vicious cycle. And some people don't all even take it to that extreme. It might just be one or two glasses yeah. of wine a night to take the edge off, to take the stress off. But actually, it may not be you're getting completely plastered, but actually the next day you feel fuzzy-headed. Yeah, You're not productive. One of the big themes in this podcast, talking to, to different people, is around productivity and the ability to go after your goals you mentioned you're now with the businessman <laughs> that you met that wasn't drinking and that actually you found you've been able to get after things in your business that you know being hungover frankly would have held you back from yeah so uh, well, 100% you're absolutely right and I just feel like people they're not you if you are constantly drinking every single weekend to excess there's n- that you are nowhere near at your capacity you can't be mentally especially as you get a bit older and it takes even long to re- longer to recover. So, yeah, I, I find it very difficult to be in, like, situations now where people are drinking. Mm. So I'm like, literally, I just won't go. And if they want to meet up with me, then it's let's meet for breakfast, let's meet for lunch. I'm not going out with you in the evening because it's pointless. They'd get really rowdy. They've told me the same story 25 times and I'm like... I just can't put up with this, do you know what I mean? And do you know what? I might I might go back to drinking one day. I really might do. But it'll be in five years when I've sold my business and I'm happy. Yeah. And I've got really that not that pressure on me anymore. Yeah. It's something, it's another thing that you don't need in the mix. Exactly. I'm interested to know, so your drinking habits obviously is one kind of major thing that you've changed since starting your business. What other changes have you made? Since starting your business. Well, it used to be the biggest gym bunny on the planet. Do you know what I mean? It used to be going like three times a day or something crazy or do like crazy <laughs> runs or physical kind of challenges all the time. And I mean, I'm telling you now, that has completely stopped. I haven't got a minute of the day to do that. I used to really enjoy making like amazing food and especially when I was like vegan and doing loads of vegan cookery and stuff like that. I used to love doing that. Now I've not got the I get in from work and I'm just like, oh my God, shut the door and see what's on Deliveroo. I pretty much get a ramen every night. So it's stuff like that. It's not changed for the better. You know, things like that. Not being able to go to the gym as much as I was. I have got a PT. So I try and do like three times a week. So that's at least three hours yeah. movement so you a do, week. You do get, I mean, you know, going to the gym three times yeah. a day, but three times a week is like pretty. Yeah. Is that how, how do you switch off from, because obviously I know what it's like running a business. It is full mm. on, it's full on and you're, it's your baby and you're obsessed with it. How do you switch off from, from work and from the stress of. Yeah. You know what? I just, um, 
don't watch much TV these days. I don't watch any box set. People go, have you seen that box set? I'm like, no, not seen it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Everybody's asking, have you seen Inventing on it? No, won't do either. I'm not interested. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts, actually. Yeah. And um, I'm probably either responding to customers. Like, I've just responded to a customer on the train then who asked me a few questions. And I was like, oh, almost like gutted that she'd asked me all these questions. I thought... This is going to be like war and peace by the time I finished it because it's there's that nuanced, do you know what I mean? And I want to give a full fleshed yeah, out answer. Make... By the time I finished it, it was 2,400 words. Wow. Literally an essay. And I was like, listen, sorry for the essay. And this is why I've taken so long to get back to you. But I wanted to make sure this was full and like, you know, fleshed out with yeah. studies and this and that and the other. And I really do my research. That's why sometimes I get gutted when I get a question like that. I think, God, this is going to take me ages. So a lot of the time in the evening I'm spending responding to customers. Yeah. I do a lot of lives as well with other experts on our channel. Um and again just drive that content and I'm never switched off me either on Pinterest thinking of like con you know looking at inspiration content because we do a lot of it in-house as well I haven't got big marketing budgets no. I've got actually nothing so it's like me and my members of staff and my iPhone and we're buying like pieces of content from the market and on eBay do you know what I mean <laughs> so and we're setting the shop you've up. got to start somewhere absolutely and, and sometimes I think actually you you can get way more creative when, when you yeah. do it yourself rather than kind of absolutely out to a big agency. And do you know what? It's then you can have an idea and I can literally execute it the next day in the office. Whereas if I was waiting for a big agency, sometimes I can think they can really be a bit like too over the top with it as well. I was having this conversation with my marketing agency yesterday and they were like, yes, yeah, so we want to like shoot all this. And they're showing me stock images of what they want to shoot. I said, so... How is it going to look any different to what I'm looking at, a stock image that I can buy for 20 quid right now? Mm. How, why are we reshooting this, which yeah. is going to cost studio time, model time? This I'm now looking at £3,000 rather than two t 20 quid, so why justify that? And they're like, well, it's the lighting, it's this. And I'm thinking, retouch that then. Do you know? <laughs> it's like, why are we... Yeah, I, I mean, you've got, you've got to ask the hard questions sometimes because you're so right. You're like hang on a minute before we get carried away and start yeah. spending loads of money why are we doing why are we doing this that do you know what sometimes i think it's a really good thing to have no budget because yeah. if you've got a lot of money you get an investor and you get loads of money to shuck around mm. you become lazy and you can be so creative when you've got nothing when it you're up against you it think, i sometimes say that to my team like if you had no money what would you do yeah you no budget it's a really good we really share good a lot of our background stuff and what we do in the background and we once did a whole photo shoot in Dunelm Mill with <laughs> using all their stuff like didn't even buy it that's a great buy it we were just like in the plants you know what I mean and then we went to this like Christmas shop at Christmas did a whole photo shoot in there and then like people love seeing the behind the scenes of how we've done it as well yeah do you know what I mean I'm like if you've got no marketing budget this is how you can do it just take notes. your products <laughs> you know and I, you know, I don't know. It was a bit cheeky, but um, well, I think funny. you know it's better to um, better to ask for forgiveness. Uh, yeah, right. instead of ask permission. <laughs> ask <for laughs> yeah, sometimes depends what it is. Um, you mentioned this earlier, but you also starred on the reality TV show The Island. That is quite the life experience with a lot of tough days. I can imagine. What made you? decide to apply and how did you find the whole experience? I was interviewing Ant Middleton 
on stage. Mm. I was having dinner with him beforehand, like just going through my questions. I was so nervous. I had to take like four beta blockers before I did it because I thought, one, I only, this got landed on me yesterday. Two, like I'm really nervous. Like Working talking as journalists. In, yeah, like, talking like in front of a crowd of 500 mm. people and I was just so nervous. And he was like, just chill out. Anyway, I was telling him about some of the stuff that I'd done and kind of the physical stuff that I'd done. I'd done like a marine like training camp once for like yeah. seven days. I was telling him all about that. And he said, well, why don't you do come and do SAS? We're taking girls. This was the first year we were going to take girls. And I was like, oh, it just looks too cold. It's too cold for me, that. <laughs> and I felt like I'd already done it because I'd done that marine yeah. training camp. So I was like, I really fancy Bear Grylls the island, because at least that's in the sunshine. I fancy that. True, true. And he was like, well, why don't you apply for that? So I said, yeah, go on, I will do. So anyway, the next day, I thought, yeah, I should do. And I used to love the show. I used to watch it all the time. So I applied for that, and then you should have seen my application. There was no <laughs> way on God's earth that they weren't going to ring me. It was what, so what, arrogant right, and confident. <laughs> I was like, it was like, tell us about yourself. I was like, well, I'm blessed with high self-esteem. I'm this, that and the other. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You were definitely going to give me a ring. So they, they did. called you. Yeah, they rang me the next day and they were like, okay, so we want to know a bit more about you. So I was like, right, okay. And can you come to London for a screen test? And I was just really upfront and honest with all my answers, anything they asked me. And I'd never even camped before. Like, do you know what I mean? I'm like the least person who could survive in that environment. It was so difficult. And I was really panicking. The one thing, like, I get lost even going from, like, Manchester to Liverpool, even with a sat-nav. And, um, <laughs> Getting to a remote thought, island in yeah, the middle thought, of Yeah, I thought, I'll where? get lost in that jungle, do you know what I mean? No, oh God, to this day I have PTSD about getting lost in that jungle. So, yeah, that was, that was difficult. But I really wanted to do it, and I knew if I was going to do it, I would 100% get to the end. No, I would never have quit. The only reason I would have quit if I'd have got an injury or something, yeah. but that's never anything I've ever done where I've started and not completed it. It could have been the hardest thing ever, but I would have actually completed it because no one can take that away from me anymore. Um, I and I think that gave me a lot of kudos as well. People didn't think I could do it. Mm. People, You know what I mean? They look at me a bit like I'm a bit glamorous and stuff and not much resilience, but I think that won me quite a lot of fans, actually, in terms of like, oh, she's actually... She's actually got somewhat a bit about her. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So yeah, it was and good. A bit of underestimation there, which we've yeah. talked about yeah. before on the show. What did you take out from that whole experience? Like, what were the were there a few golden nuggets, if any? Yeah, some good. There's some really good golden nuggets. Some great. Some not so great. I tell you what, that environment will do for you. It will really show you who you are. And they put money on the island for the first time as well. Right. And that will show you who you are as well. I used to think I was quite like generous and do you know what I mean? Like really like sharer. And actually when I got there, the money was not on my mind whatsoever. I applied before I even knew there was any money on yeah. the island. It was not the driving force for me. I just wanted the experience. But when I realised everyone was there for the money and a lot of people were, then I was like, well, now it's competition. So now I want to win it. Mm. And that's that. And it was difficult because we had different members of the group who were not as physically able. We had a 75-year-old lady. Now, she can't go out in that jungle with a machete and, no. and try and go and find it. But she looked after camp, so she deserved a share of the money. Mm. And then you had other people who were with a Royal Marine on it. who would have taken the whole lot if we had to let him. Do you know what I mean? He was out every single day hunting for that money. There was one opportunity where there was me and another girl and we spotted some money. 
I know it was like, do we tell people? Do we not tell people? Now she was definitely on the least wages out of anybody yeah. in that group. She was a young mom, two kids. You know, she deserved that money. And yeah, and then you've got people who were on a hundred thousand pound a year job. Mm. Why should she split it with him? Do you know what I mean? It was like it was such a big social experiment. Massively, really, yeah, and, and it really showed you who you are. And again, at that stage, I had nothing. I was just a writer. I was writing celebrities' autobiographies for them, mm-hmm. and that takes you like you know four or five months to do, and it's, you don't get a great wage after it either. So it's not like I was flush at the time either. So I was thinking oh, I could really do this money, and it wasn't like loads of money. I think the first time we found money, it was five grand. It was five grand. Do you know it what I mean? The excitement, I can imagine. It was, oh my God, it was the it's excitement. The thrill of yeah. finding it and it exactly. being a competition. And I imagine that's what's driven you through into your business and, and had the kind of ambition to do that. It was interesting what you said about you knew you needed to get to the end and finish it. I was thinking, my God, I was the opposite of that with my business. When I first had the idea, no one was more surprised than me when I actually saw it through. <laughs> because normally I have these ideas and then I just give up. Yeah. Like, oh, can't be bothered, it's too much effort. Um, but actually, I was really surprised when actually I did it. And I know what you mean. Like you look back now, and when you see these bottles on the shelves, I bet when you know you go into Sainsbury's, you see it, and you think, "Oh my god!" Actually, the stages of it getting to there, I can't yeah. believe I didn't stop at some point and go, yeah, "Not up. really for me." You know, when you're sketching things out, and you're talking to the suppliers, you realise now how much it's going to cost. I'm like that when I walk into Selfridges and see my product in there, and I think. Wow, <laughs> like I can't believe I actually saw it through. I know what you mean. Yeah, there's there is a, like a healthy dose of that. Yeah, um, but you get there, you get there in the end. So that was amazing, and I feel like I've learned so much <laughs> about you, and also a lot that I can actually take away, and hopefully our listeners can take away. I wanted to ask you a wild card question. I'm going to ask you what is the last thing you searched on your phone. Um, what was it? It was literally just as I was like on the train, do you know what I mean? When I was replying to that customer, it was um, a health supplement dosage, as boring as that sounds, <laughs> but it was to help with their libido, to be honest. Yeah. So to really maximize my product, you can take it with a, pro- um, a product called DHEA. And I was pulling up loads of information and studies about that. And I was, the one thing I have to do is manage customers' expectations. And this is in any walk of life. People think they can take a supplement for like literally a week and it's going to work. Well, this study I found, I said, listen, these people took it for one whole year. And that's when the end of the study ended after they'd been taking a supplement for a year. But when they did that, their testosterone, their estrogen levels were coming back to like youthful levels. Now these were 60 and 70 year old men and women. So if you know you can really radically improve your testosterone, your estrogen levels, you're going to feel unbelievable because they're in decline even after like you get to in your 40s. So why wouldn't you? But it takes consistent effort every day for one year at least. And this is like my biggest thing. I'm like, you're making an investment in your health it isn't, it's not going to happen overnight. It's not a quick fix. No, do, it's not a quick fix. We do live in a world where people love a quick fix. And I get asked that sometimes, like, what, you know, what are the few things you've done to make your business a success? And I'm like, consistency. Consistency, Being yeah. consistent. Keep, like, just keeping on going. Yeah. Being tenacious, but being and that, consistent. And consistency every day will win out every time. Yeah. If you've got somebody whose progress is, like... 
like that and then none and then like that and none. I'm going to die up two weeks and then give up. Yeah. Give up, give up. But if you get someone who does small, consistent effort every single day, go like that. What an amazing <laughs> note to finish on. Thank you very much, Alyssa. You've been an amazing guest. Thank you and very much for having me. Pleasure to have you. Thank you. You've been listening to The Joyful Drinker, hosted by me, Ellie Webb. There'll be a new episode released every fortnight, so make sure you hit that subscribe button to avoid missing out. Also, just a small reminder that ratings and reviews really help people discover great podcasts. So if you've got some kind words to share, they'd be very much appreciated. In the meantime, come and find me on socials. I'm at Kalenyo Ellie. I'd love to connect with you all and feedback on the podcast is always welcome. See you next time for another episode of The Joyful Drinker. And remember, if we all drank a little less each week, we'd all feel a whole lot better.